Hello, everybody. Sukrayaro here, and you're listening to Your Blank Your Stories. So we're still working on making up September. We only have two episodes of that left now. And then I have to make up the entirety of October. And then I start on November. I think I planned this out well enough so that, like, I can hopefully have everything done by Wednesday. Like, have the first episode for November out Wednesday. But if not, then, um... That'll suck, I guess. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna jump right into reading, because there's not much for me to say, you know? And I prefer to just try and bust this out. <clears throat> the Dexter Incident. I try to own it, like Katie said, but it's not that easy. I texted Jake this morning. Sorry for leaving like that. Let me know how much we owe you. And I still haven't heard back. Since he's at his internship, I won't be seeing him around the office. Part of me thinks he's pissed. Another fear fears he's wildly in love with in love with Katie. In a tiny, tiny part hopes that somehow Katie is right. That if I can stop being such a drama queen, this will somehow magically all work out. When it's t- when it comes time for lunch, it's too nasty to sit outside. So I find a quiet table in the corner of the lodge and take out my turkey sandwich. The bread's edges stale. Even with all the windows, it's fairly dark in here. The sky's so foggy you can't even see the mountains. Hey, stranger. I look up, and to my shock, it's Jake, his face stretched into a grin. What are you doing here? I ask. Between him and Katie, the two are full of surprises, practically walking jump scares. He takes a step or two back. Sorry, just thought I'd say hi. I'm on my lunch break at my internship, and the words spill out of my mouth before I can stop them. What, did you come just to see me? It's the kind of thing Katie would say, bold and unapologetic. Jake looks taken aback. No, he says. I mean, I just... I left something at the check-in office yesterday. Marianne told me you'd be out here. It was just a joke, I say. Though I guess I thought that maybe, just maybe, he might have. Serves me right for trying to act like Katie would. The corner of his mouth tilts up. I thought bad jokes were my purview. I laugh, but it comes out weak. It's like, since Katie arrived, we can't quite get back to us. Even more, I can't quite get back to me. Anyway, he says, taking a deep breath, as if he senses the awkwardness, too. You okay? He asks. I mean, after last night. No, I want to say. No, I'm not. And it's no one's fault but mine. I was scared. I didn't believe in myself. And now I'm in too deep. Now it's all screwed up. Most of all, I want to tell him I misled you and I feel sick about it. Yeah, I lie. I'm sorry about peacing out without saying goodbye. Hey, he says. I get it. When stomach issues strike, right? His face instantly turns red. Sorry, he says. I'm sure you don't want to talk about it. Not that I want to talk about it or or anything, believe me. I mean, not that I'm one of those weirdos who likes to pretend girls don't have stomach issues. Shit, I'm making this worse, aren't I? I laugh. No, I say. It's not that. Honestly, it wasn't my stomach. I just wasn't feeling that great. Oh, Jake says, eyes turning down at the corners. Any reason? I look down at my sandwich, then back up again. Not lying is one thing. Telling the full truth another. Not really, I say. Anyway, did you get to finish your burger at least? Jake smiles. Well, I wasn't going to tell you, but since you asked, I finished mine, polished off the sweet potato fries, and I may have had a little bite of yours and Katie's, too. 
My eyebrows shoot up playfully. You monster! His eyes widen. I know, I know. You should have seen the way the waitress looked at me. Went from being the uber cool guy at a table with two girls to the sad loner eating off of other people's plates. I laugh. That's quite the fall from grace. He pauses, his feet shuffling back and forth, and I know I should say something. She's not saying this. She's thinking this. Just felt I should clarify. <clears throat> Let me make it up to you for storming out. Let's hang out again, without Katie this time. Let's get back to exactly where we were before my best friend dropped the bomb that is her dazzling, confusing presence. Let me tell you the truth. Er, uh, how's Katie, by the way? Jake asks. <clears throat> <laughs> That was such an aggressive, like, throat clearing. I have no clue if that picked up on Mike, but if that did, holy shit. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> er, how's Katie, by the way? Jake asks. Oh, I say, immediately losing my nerve. Maybe that hike up to the waterfall was nothing, and he routinely jumps in bodies of water fully clothed. Maybe every hand graze, every stolen look, was imagined. Maybe it all meant nothing. Only it wasn't. I know that. Maybe it's just that, now that she's here in front of him, he likes her more than me. Simple as that. She's fine. Jake nods. Well, I'm glad you're good. He stands there, hovering, as if he wants to say something else. I should get going, though. Sure. See you tomorrow, I say. He smiles. See you tomorrow. As he walks away, I know in my heart that something has changed. I want to rewind, start everything over, but like the Dracula audition in my failed NYU application, like a lot of things, in real life you don't get to do that. Rewinding is only for movies, after all. <clears throat> or TV shows, or videos. Like, mmm, only for movies. Sorry. <laughs> I'm stirring up shit when shit don't need to be stirred. <laughs> oh my god, that was terrible. That was such a terrible sentence. Oh my lord. Katie picks me up that evening. As we make the drive back to my house, she details me on her day. She went on a long walk around my neighborhood and even discovered a nearby swimming hole and spent the afternoon getting some sun. That's Katie for you, always finding a way to fit right in no matter where she is. Back at my house, we situate ourselves on the back porch with iced teas while my mom cooks in the kitchen and my dad finishes a conference call. So did you see him today? Katie asks. Jakey Poo? Can we just say no to the baby names, please? It's a favorite habit of Katie's, anytime I get a crush. And it never works the other way around, because Katie, dedicated, passionate Katie, hasn't gotten a crush since her ex, Dexter. It's almost like crushes are beneath her, along with the new school's acting program and who knows what else. Fine. She shakes her tea, ice clinking like it's some sort of timer. So, did you? Yes, I say. And? At first I thought it was a good sign, because it, he wasn't even supposed to be at work today. He's at his internship. You mean he came all the way just to see if little stomach issues Olivia was okay? He said he left something there and was on lunch, but I shrug. It was nice, I guess, at first. So what happened? She tips back her tea and stretches out her, her legs. Damn, she really did get sun today. I curse myself for never having discovered said swimming spot on my own. I don't know. It just felt friendly. He asked me how I was, said he'd see me tomorrow, that kind of thing. 
Then he asked about you. Katie sits up straighter, crossing her legs and turning to me. There's that gleam in her eye again. So you didn't ask him on a proper date or anything? I shake my head. Something about the whole thing was just off. Plus, I didn't have the guts. Katie nods, as if taking the situation in. All good. In fact, this fits right in with the plan I've been formulating all day. I mean, a girl has a lot of time to think when she's alone at a swimming hole. Oh, God. Katie raises a hand, preemptively halting any and all objections. Hear me out. It's good for you. It's good for me. It's good for you. It's even good for Jakey Poo. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that's so funny. Shoot. <clears throat> you said you'd stop with that. She nods. Okay, that was my last one. Only because it rhymed. Totally worth it. I will... <laughs> I will abstain from here on out. The water trickles down the small stream on the edge of our property. It sounds like slop... Softly... <laughs> I keep... I keep forgetting how to talk. It sounds like softly ringing bells. And it's so nice that for a second, I can pretend that none of this is happening. That all of it is... That all of it is okay. All right, all right. What is it? I'm Jake's friend, right? I scoff. No, actually, you don't know him from Adam. Katie laughs and runs her finger along the edge of the glass. Around me, the sky seems to darken as the sun sets further, as if someone is up in the sky, messing with a dimmer. The crickets are beginning their chorus, and it feels suddenly like the witching hour, the point in the movie when the people come up with their plan. I make a mental note to make sure at least one of the scenes in the Bad Decision Handbook takes place at dusk. Look, she says. I know I don't know him, beyond our thrilling 20 minutes of conversation at the burger place. But what I mean is, my character, Carrie, she knows him, right? Of course. She's his friend? I pause, trying to parse out exactly what Alm and I were to each other when it was only online. I know there was always something more. The excitement I felt at getting each new message. The way I'd half-planned my entire schedule around it. The first time I saw his photo, how cute, how adorable he was. I'm sure of it now. I wouldn't have freaked out and dashed off that photo of Katie getting myself into this mess in the first place if I didn't feel something for him, even then. Maybe he did, too. I'm pretty sure he did. But that's the problem. It's like one big sick joke. Even if Elm really did like me, it wasn't long before I sent him that photo of her, which was exactly when our chatting went full on. For all I know, half of why he's been so interested in talking is because of her, is because of her photo. Now that she's here, in the flash, how can I even compete? Olivia? Katie asks. Yes, sorry. She's his friend. I'm his friend, I mean. Right. So he trusts her. The words cut me like a knife. He shouldn't trust Carrie. Shouldn't trust her at all. Olivia, focus. I nod. Okay, sorry. Yeah, he trusts Carrie. Katie clasps her hands together. Great. So basically, I'll present myself at the as the world's most abhorrent version of a woman so you shine by comparison. What? I ask. Katie laughs quickly. Sorry, it was a joke. That's the gross, sexist version, the plague of rom-coms and the like. What I'll actually do is use my position as his friend to act as... 
Drum roll, please. Katie fakes a drum roll on her thighs. Out with it, I say. She beams. The ultimate wing woman. I shake my head. What are you talking about? He likes you, even if you can't see it. Even if he's maybe a little off the mark about his online pen pal's real identity. So I'll use that power to steer him in your direction. I sigh. Isn't that just more deception? Katie shakes her head vehemently. Not at all. He likes the nerdy film buff you, and he likes the in-person trying desperately to be outdoorsy you. It's not your fault that he doesn't realize they're the same exact person. She pauses. Actually, it is our fault. Oh, she said it's not our fault, not... Actually, it is our fault. Well, your fault. But we can't help that now, can we? I sip the last of my tea. Maybe I should, I don't know, just tell him. Katie's eyebrows shoot up. Really? Why not? Must I remind you of the of the Dexter incident? Dexter, Katie's aforementioned ex, a sweet, nerdy guy we used to see hanging out in the library during lunch when we were all working on a history project. Only Dexter wasn't working on any project. He liked spending his lunches in the library. After a week of observing dear Dexter, Tessa dared Katie to ask him out for a laugh. It wasn't particularly kind, and Fatima and Eloise gave us hell about it, but we were 14. We were freshmen and idiots. Katie did, and he said yes, and to our surprise, she actually went forward with the date, and then another, and another. Katie liked Dexter, the guy who'd been so far from our estimation of who someone like Katie would be with, would be with that the whole thing had been a joke. A few weeks into officially dating, Katie made the mistake in a moment of rare vulnerability, of telling him the truth about how things had started, and it hadn't gone at all like she'd anticipated. He'd been, rightly, horrified that he'd been the butt of our joke and had broken up with her on the spot. They're still friends. She still spends lunches in the library sometimes, but nothing has... Uh... But nothing has happened between them again. It's half of why I think Katie doesn't ever get crushes. She's never gotten over Dexter. I shake my head. This is nothing like that. Isn't it? Katie asks. We were playing a joke on Dexter, I say. It was wrong. And Jake won't think you were doing the same? I don't know, I say, picking again at a jagged nail. I hope not. He won't think we were laughing behind his back as you fed me hints about what to say about horror movies, a genre in which I have absolutely no interest. It wasn't like that, though. Look, you aren't going to marry the guy, right? Katie asks. I mean, 99% of high school relationships are just trial runs, you know? I pause. A tiny part of me wants to be all never say never about it, because as much as it's a bit of a stretch to think about meeting the, the one at 17, I've never felt like this about anyone. I've never been around someone who knows and enjoys all the parts of me like this, even if he doesn't yet know that these parts belong to one person, not two. But that's silly, and even if it were to entertain, long-term things don't start out with lies. It's like rule number one of the healthy relationship handbook. Of course not, I say. I'm 17. Exactly, Katie says matter-of-factly. You're 17, and he lives in North Carolina. So have your summer romance. Enjoy his company. You obviously adore him. Don't go telling him things that are only going to hurt him. If I could do it again, I would never have told Dexter what I told him. It's not right, though, I say. Katie tilts her head to the side. When it comes to romance, sometimes right and wrong isn't always so black and white. 
I don't think Katie is the best friend, you know? Like, in some situations, I don't know. It seems like it's not a healthy friendship for both parties. Like, Olivia's described, like, feeling, like, outdone constantly and in Katie's shadow. And that's not a healthy kind of friendship, you know? And then this is, like, Katie pushing Olivia to follow along with the plan when Olivia, like, the right thing to do is just tell him the truth and hope it goes well. Because, like, she's been feeling guilty about this for a while, so why make it worse? I don't know. It's just my opinion. <clears throat> I scream. And so the plan goes forward. Another act begins. As Carrie, I send a message to Elm. Carrie's Revenge 01. Olivia and I are thinking about getting ice cream after work tomorrow. Want to join? He says yes immediately. It's on. After dinner, Katie and I spend the rest of the night preparing for her second appearance as Carrie. She demands I inform her of all the ins and outs of horror, even though I'm not quite sure it's necessary, but I don't object. I love talking about the stuff, and it's rare that she wants to hear it. I walk her through the various genres and subgenres, from killer, slasher, home invasion, etc., to psychological, paranoia and phobias, to monster, zombie, creature feature, and so on, and paranormal, witches, ghosts, haunted house houses, and the like. I explain that many techniques can cross genres, like found footage, which manifests as a ghost story in the Blair Witch Project, and a killer story in movies like Creep and Creep 2. Then I go through a few key directors, making sure to point out that there aren't nearly enough women and that needs to change, and I brush her up on some of the movies Elm and I have specifically discussed. Finally, I give her a quick rundown of my screenplay, explaining that it plays on a lot of different genres. A dutiful pupil and a dedicated actress, the girl even makes flashcards, insisting I quiz her. That is, when she's not looking up YouTube clips to make sense of my references. We stay up too late, quizzing and laughing and eventually watching Carrie, which Katie has never seen. All in all, it's kind of fun, and I can't help but love her even more. Only a true best friend would go to such lengths. A part of me knows I'm only stepping further into some seriously gray territory, and that part is like the viewer in just about every horror movie film. Turn back. Don't go into the shadows. For God's sake, don't split up. And whatever you do, don't open that door. I can't help but shake the feeling, the same I have when I watch any of those movies, that this is not go going to end well, as much as Katie swears it will. Work is busy yet uneventful the next day. It's so hot out, I take lunch in the lodge again, though I don't see much of Jake, and apart from a few words exchanged via walkie, we don't talk much either. Still, I know what's waiting. The ice cream date where Katie will fully embrace her wolf, bleh, role as the perfect wing woman, our second chance, one I won't storm out on this time. Katie's ready and waiting in the parking lot when Jake and I walk out together. Ice cream time? She asks, running up and high-fiving us both. Ice cream for ice cream, Jake says, and horror, of course. Katie forces a laugh, the only bit of bad, act bleh, bad acting I've ever seen from her, and I suggest the roadside place, my favorite, near North South Lake. Jake offers to drive the three of us since it's not too far from Hunter Mountain. We pile into the car, me in the front, Katie in the back, and with the classic rock station as our soundtrack, Jake and I chat about work, how Steinway's feeling better and back to her usual self, the runway success of Mary Ann's niece's t-shirt design, and the annoying dad who keeps dropping his kid at Ropeland so he can get, get drunk in the lodge. 
By the time we reached the general store, the side of the road spot that my parents and I discovered after a long hike around Caterskill Falls, horror hasn't been brought up even once. A tentative win. Oh my god, this place looks amazing, Katie says as she dashes out of the car and up to the front. She turns back to me. Girl, it's like something out of a movie. So quaint. Something out of a horror movie, even. It's like the girl reads my damn mind. It would be fun to set a slasher movie here, Katie says. For sure, Jake says, sidling up in line next to her. I'll have a cone, Katie says. A girl about our age in a hot pink t-shirt jots it on a notepad. Single or double? Katie turns back to us. Do I dare? Jake raises an eyebrow. You should dare, he says. Again, I feel like Katie's running the show. Double, she says to the girl. What flavor? Rocky Road, Katie says. Crazy. That's my favorite, too, Jake says immediately. Katie laughs. Coincidence. Uh, this is her thinking it, not saying it. It's everybody's favorite, you guys. <clears throat> they both order, and I step up. I'll have a double cone, too. Strawberry. The girl writes the order down, and I hand her a few crumpled bills. Strawberry, Katie says. Such a waste. The strawberry versus chocolate debate has been a long-standing one, a long-standing one in our friendship. I love me some chocolate, just not an ice cream, for some reason. But now it only annoys me. Rocky Road is just too much. Sorry. Jake shrugs. Hey, whatever works. He nudges me with his elbow, his skin lingering on mine for just a second. And I think, just maybe, that we're edging back to what we had. But just as soon, his arm drops back to his side. He looks at Katie and offers a weak smile. I'm with Katie on this one, though. Rocky Road is fairly unparalleled. My heart sinks once again. He's with her. Shock of all shocks. Why did I think someone as seen stealing as Katie could ever be a wing woman? The girl behind the counter returns, holding out the pair of Rocky Road cones. Katie takes them both, hand-delivering one to Jake. Mine comes out separate, and I accept it eagerly, glad to have something to do with my hands. We walk over to a pair of benches, where Katie stretches herself out on one, picking up the entire thing. All right, I think. She's trying to do her part, at least. It's not her fault she's so charming that something as small as ordering an ice cream could come off as delightful. I sit down on the other bench, Jake only a couple of inches away, and we dig in. He's halfway through his first scoop when he pauses, looking up at Katie. So I have something to tell you, he says, and I swear my heart stops. I have the sudden, irrational thought that he's going to say that he likes her, right here in front of me, my ice cream melting in the heat, but my heart frozen solid. He takes a deep breath. This is bad, but I still haven't read your screenplay. I'm going to, though. I promise. Cool, Katie says, licking her cone with gusto. I mean, you want me to, don't you? Katie shrugs. Sure. Jake's face falls. I just thought it was important to you. She interrupts him. Of course. You'll see when you read it, but I've been so, just been so inspired by the different genres of horror. I'm not along. She's getting this much right, at least. But then she goes on. You know, from your classic killer slasher sort of thing to your, I don't know, creature feature, I just really want to push myself to explore. Oh my fucking god. I'm sorry. I'm just really hating Katie right now. <laughs> Jake's eyes narrow. I didn't know it played on creature features. What creatures? 
I catch Katie's eye, shake my head as discreetly as I can. Katie smiles. Well, it doesn't that there's a monster in all- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I read ahead and I already read this in my head and I just- I just- mm. The- I- mm. This is the same shit as the ghost bullshit! The monster inside- Sorry. Well, it doesn't that there's a monster in all of us, she says. Isn't that what horror is always exploring? I could do without any more of her philosophical pronouncements about a genre that until yesterday she knew almost nothing about, but maybe that's just me. I guess, Jake says, a little less convinced that than when she went off on her tangent about ghost stories. But I don't know, really, he continues. I think most creature features are pretty cut and dried. They don't have to be deep. That's kind of what's refreshing about them. Some are even stupid, like my bad jokes, he adds, shooting me a smile before fixing his gaze back on her. Uh, <laughs> I want to kill Katie right now. Jesus Christ. Happy, messy, scary love. God damn, where's the cringe in this title? God damn it. This could have been such a simple thing. It could have been a simple sorry. Like, just a quick, I don't feel comfortable sending my picture immediately after Jake suggested it. Well, after Elm suggested it. Bam, done, problem solved. None of this drama shit would have happened. Where are they cut and dried? Katie asks. Really? Jake laughs. Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes a monster is just a monster. Katie looks at her cone. That's why I prefer the psychological variety. You know, like Hitchcock's Psycho. I half, I half want to smash my forehead into my ice cream cone. Hitchcock's Psycho? Is this a conversation or an essay for her new school program? Jake laughs her off. You know my feelings on Psycho. I do, of course, but Katie doesn't. He thinks it's horribly overrated. I mean, it's one of the very few points on which he and I disagree. I mean, doesn't everyone love Psycho? It's obviously the preeminent film in the psychological horror genre. Oh god, I shouldn't have trained her so well. Hell, I shouldn't have trained her at all. Jake bristles. It's not, though. Honestly, it's just Hitchcock getting all the these accolades because he dared to kill off the lady who we're led to think is his main character in the beginning of the movie. Remember? We talked about this, like, for an hour. In his voice, I hear a flash of hurt, and I want to turn to him, tell him I don't forget things like that. I listen to him, even when I disagree. I care about his opinions, even if sometimes I think they're silly. Katie's eyes flick to me, all help. I clear my throat. I'm kind of a Hitchcock fan, but I won't, wouldn't normally call his, even call his movies horror. I mean, they're not, right? Jake turns to me then, and in his eyes is the kind of relief you get from being understood. The kind I almost always feel when I'm near him. Yes, exactly. They have crime and suspense and all those elements, but they're missing the fundament fundamental part. Take the shower scene out of Psycho, and it's not horror at all. You said that, actually, he says, turning to Katie, when we talked about it. <clears throat> Ah! Ah! Sorry.
sorry. I'm reading things before I'm reading them out loud. And I'm progressively, progressively getting more angry at this book. <laughs> like, progressively, to an unhealthy extent. Sorry, sorry. I There's Discord messages and I'm checking. <clears throat> I'm gonna pause the recording. Okay, check the messages. I, I am fighting for my life with these emotions that I'm being forced to feel. I am so mad about this. <clears throat> Katie licks a bit of melted ice cream off her finger. I say a lot of things, she says, voice flat. You shouldn't take them all so seriously. Jake looks taken aback, but I'm not so surprised. The thing about Katie is, she doesn't take feedback all that well. When Miss Sinclair, her drama teacher, told her that she had a tendency to overact during more upbeat scenes, it took her a full week of moping before she could even consider her te the teacher's words. I glance at Katie again, and for once, her eyes catch mine. She knows she's taking this too far. Wowing Jake with her movie knowledge was never the plan. Playing the wing woman was, and making him feel like he doesn't... Like he doesn't matter? That wasn't the plan at all. Like a good bestie, Katie stands. I'm going to walk up that way and take some photos. Sure, Jake says. Have fun, I add. Katie heads off, cone in hand. I know what she's about to do. She'll chastise herself on not getting the role just right. But I can't focus too much on that now. Jake is beside me, after all. What's more, if I'm not wrong, his feelings are hurt. Are hurt. Sorry, Jake says, turning to me. I guess movie debates can get a little heated. It's not just that, I say. I know you've talked to Katie a lot online, but in person, she can be a little brusque sometimes. Jake shakes his head. It's okay, and I didn't mean to dominate the conversation. It's just... What? I ask. She's thinking this. It's just that I'm in love with Katie Carey, and I thought you should know sooner rather than later. I liked you, kind of, but that was before my dream pen pal entered the picture. Should I go check on her? Do you think she's mad? Jake's face tenses up. It's just funny. I thought when I found out Katie was act Carrie was actually here. I don't know. I thought it would be different. What do you mean? I know I shouldn't push, but I can't help myself. She's so easy to talk to online. We used to chat for hours, but in person, it's different. It's almost like she's got a whole other personality. I'm sorry. I know she's your good friend. My best friend, I correct. But I guess you don't get the full picture online, do you? God damn it! Tell the fucking truth! I'm so upset! I'm so upset! I am unreasonably upset. Dude! Dude! <laughs> I can tell my breathing is sh <laughs> I can tell my breathing is shaky. But I'm so upset! <laughs> if Jinxie ever gets around to listening to these episodes, they're gonna message me concerned about this specific moment. I, I they will or they won't, but they might. They might message. Home. <sighs> <clears throat>
Jake gazes at me, like he's thinking hard on something, and half of me wants him to figure it all out. But I remember what Katie said about Dexter, and she's right. He'd be hor- <laughs> Fucking God! He'd be horrified! You don't know that! You don't know that! If anything, I think Jake would be relieved to not to know that you were Carrie the whole time. Because this- I hate that I'm gonna talk- Stop. Bookmark in. I am- I feel like this- I hate to say it. I feel like this is becoming a miraculous ladybug type of drama in the relationship department. Like, 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 <laughs> Dude, I know I sound like I'm sobbing. I'm not sobbing. I'm just so upset. It's the dumbest situation. Like, oh no. It's not even a love triangle. It's not even a- Damn it! Damn it! It's not- It's just- Oh no! I lied about my appearance because I was insecure, and now I met the guy in person. But shit, I can't tell him it's me. You could've told him it was you! You could've been honest from the start! You could've been honest in not sending that pic of your friend. You could've been like, okay- like, before any pictures got sent, could have been damn simple, damn it! <clears throat> you could have been a just. And you could have just, like, yell. You could. I don't. <sighs> you could have just told him. You could have been like, okay, sorry, but the thing I want to tell you is screw Katie being right here. I was capping straight up this whole time. I'm ca Like, done! Too much drama! This is way too much drama! And this- the way I'm relating this to Miraculous Ladybug is like- In there, it's like so much drama with the relationships and shit. Like, oh man, I like this boy, but he'll never like me back. Never! Ever. Like, what the f- Oh my god. Oh my lord. This is my thirteenth reason. This is my thirteenth re this is my thirteenth reason. Peace 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 out. Bang bang. Bye. <laughs> I'm so done. God Why am I always reading the worst shit? Well not always, like my sister's keeper that play that hurt my feelings in a good way. This is just hurting my feelings and I'm so upset about it. <laughs> oh my lord. I'm fighting for my life over here. I'm fighting for my life. Ow. He'd be horrified. I'm back to reading. This all would be over, and I can't bear the thought of that. Not when it feels like this is only our beginning. I guess, Jake says, glancing to where Katie walked off, perhaps a little wisp wistfully. He bites into the top of his cone, then turns to me. Anyway, enough about that. Should I entertain you with some bad jokes or something? I laugh. What are you, a factory? He jumps at the bo- CHOMPS AT THE BOTTOM OF THE CONE?! Then sucks the rest of the ice cream out. 
Maybe. Though I don't have any good ones off the top of my head, to be honest. Mood has to strike me just right. I'm sure you can dig up a bad one, though. He raises his eyebrow. Hey, even those take work. It's quite—it's quiet for a moment, and I feel that thrum again, of our bodies close. I look at a bit of ice cream dripping down the side of my cone. You know what's funny? Jake says. What? It's just that we spend so much time working together, you and me, and we don't even know that much about each other. I feel a blush start to creep to my cheeks, and I dig deeper into my cone. So, what do you want to know? Jake smashes the remains of his cone and bites into it like a sandwich. Well... Well, I didn't know you had a best friend named Katie, for one, and I know you're from Brooklyn, and that you're an only child, but I don't know anything about your family. Like, what do they do and all that? I assume people have really cool jobs in Brooklyn. My parents are high school history teachers, which is decidedly not exciting. Well, Katie is my best friend, that's true. My parents are fairly boring parent types, too. My mom is an art professor, and my dad works in marketing, and my aunt is pretty cool. She's a creative director. Wait, like Katie's? He asks. Huh? Katie's aunt, the one who lives nearby. She's a creative director, too. He laughs. Damn, is that the only job in New York? I swallow. My throat thick. Shit. Quickly, I force a laugh. Seems like it sometimes. I'd completely forgotten I told Elm that ages ago, when he was going on about his Aunt Mona, when we were in the thick of initial conversation, trading cool aunt stories. Oi. Jake smiles. You know, I don't even know your favorite movie. Care- I thought I managed to stop myself. Halfway through. Ing. Caring, I finish. Caring. Caring? Jake tilts his head to the side. My heart races. Caring for you. It's with Meryl Streep. She made it right before the deer hunter. Really? My mom is obsessed with her and I've never even heard of it. I smile weakly, pushing a lie. The totally made-up film even further. It's pretty low-key. Kind of like the original indie movie, you know? I want to smack myself across the head. It sounds so stupid. Jake smiles, finishing the rest of the cone and licking his fingers. I never knew you were into indie film. That's how I got into horror in the first place. I was really into low-budget, non-traditional distribution kind of stuff. Just tired of all the super... Super... <laughs> superhero movies and all that. Right, I say. Exactly. His hand drops to the side, and if I dropped mine, too, maybe ours would touch. In the distance, I spot Katie walking back toward us, and I can't do it. It all feels too shaky, too precarious, and I'm on some kind of tightrope. One wrong step, one more cool aunt mentioned or caring for you, oi, slip up, and I'll crash to the ground. This will all, this will all be over before it's even begun, and no amount of hand grazing, accidental or otherwise, will change that. God! God damn it! Why can't you just tell him the truth? This is so pointless. If you're trying to have, like, a nice, sweet, romantic summer, then all this emotional turmoil and guilt and tightrope walking and all this bullshit is taking away from the sweet, romantic, pleasant element of it. Is it not? Like, is it not? Like, I, I, uh, <laughs> I'm so mad. I am so mad. So, so mad. You don't even get it. You don't even get it. 
Like, if you're not also, I... <laughs> Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! You know what? I can't do this right now. I need a break! <laughs> so I took a break because the book was getting me mad. Um, the break ended up lasting the rest of the day for me. <clears throat> so it is now a new day and it's 10 a.m. Well, 9.59. But, um... I'm just gonna get back to it, you know? The Invitation Part 2 I'm sorry for my behavior, Katie says as soon as we're back in my parents' Subaru, driving home. Jeez, you don't have to apologize, I say with a laugh. It's okay. Katie shakes her head. It's not, though. I got too into the role, and I- She gulps as she turns into my driveway. I overacted. She says it so dramatically, as if it's more horrible than anything in any horror movie, hands down. I suppose, to her, it is. Are you okay? I ask as she puts the car into park. Katie's eyes are wide, almost glossy. What is it? She only shrugs. Let's go inside. We do, and my parents greet us, asking if we want them to heat up any food from dinner. We're both so full from our double cones that we go straight to my room, promising to get real food later. Katie tosses herself onto my bed. Too much ice cream? I ask as I set my things down and turn around, quickly changing out of my zipline t-shirt and into a tank. Ugh, Katie says. I can't tell if she's talking about ice cream or her roll or something else altogether. My phone flashes, buzzing to life. I pick it up. It's from Jake. Had fun tonight. Going to a party at up in Cairo at one of Bryson's friends at one of Bryson's friends. You should come. You guys should come. I break into a smile, then flip the phone around. Don't be so quick to hate on your performance, lady. Katie grabs the phone from me and gives it a read. For the first time all night, her smile is back. Oh girl, she says, beaming. We're doing this. A party? My mom says incredulously at breakfast the next morning, Katie and I digging into my dad's famous scrambled eggs and turkey bacon. Will there be alcohol there? Katie takes a sip of coffee. She drinks it black, more for the quirk of it than because she likes it that way, I swear. If there is, we won't touch it, don't worry. I'm driving, and I do not mess around with my shiny new license. License, my dad says, looking up from his iPad. Seven-letter word for permit as a government office. Charlie, we're trying to decide if the girls can go to a party tonight. Oh. He says, putting his iPad down. Sorry, will there be alcohol there? My mom shoots us a conspiratorial look, nodding to Katie to deliver her line again. If there is, Katie says dutifully, we won't be partaking. My dad looks from my mom back to us. It's okay with me if it's okay with you. My mom nods. As long as you're back by 11 and don't come home smelling like a distillery. And if we text you, you text right back. Deal, I say. Deal. Katie says. My mom takes another sip of her coffee. We're just glad you guys are going to, are choosing to be honest with us instead of making up some sort of story, but I suppose that's just the kind of girls you both are. Oh, and Olivia. Yeah? Aunt Chrissy got a few days off her current project and is coming up on Tuesday, so no impromptu parties and hangouts next week, okay? I hesitate. 
I love Chrissy, and I welcome any chance to spend time with her, but I can't help but think of our last exchange. She thinks I told Jake the truth. I promised her I would. I promised myself I would, too. What is it? Katie asks quietly, but I only shake my head. That sounds great, Mom. Can't wait to see her. We spend the day at the swimming pool before having dinner with my parents. I ask Katie again whether I should just tell Jake the truth, but she reminds me of the Dexter incident and promises it will all be fine if I just trust her to do her wing woman job. Chrissy texts me after dinner while Katie and I are in my room, getting ready for the party, trying on sundresses and asking each other's opinions, as we always do. Did you hear my change in plans? I'm coming to see you, my dear sweet niece. I pull one of my favorite dresses of, of Katie's over my head, then text her back. Mom told me this morning. Can't wait. She sends me a smiling emoji. Then, P.S. Did you tell the boy? How did it go? I hesitate, then type quickly. No, actually I didn't. Not yet, at least. Okay, good luck. Truthfully, I don't blame you for putting it off. It sounds difficult and complicated, but I know you can do it. We can dish all about it when I'm up, but go easy on yourself, Olivia. None of us are perfect, you know. I smile. Chrissy always makes me feel better. Texting your boo? Katie asks as she tugs at the bottom of her dress. No, I laugh. Chrissy. Katie approaches the mirror, then begins to draw on her winged eyeliner, her official going out look. Do you think we need to brush up on any horror movies? She asks. No, I say vehemently. I think you're good. Katie smiles, blinking a few times as she finishes up. I won't overdo it this time. Promise. It takes us 35 minutes to get to, Ka to Cairo. Cairo? I'll go with Cairo. And we wind down country roads until we reach the, ad the address Jake gave us this afternoon. Cars line both sides of the road, a few pickups speckled among them. So many cars, Katie says as she puts the Subaru into park. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. I laugh. I think you might be right. Together, we amble up the gra gravel road. There's a meadow on one side, but the house in question is nestled in the woods. This has got to be the way, right? Katie asks as we follow two guys up a winding drive. I nod. Either that or we're going to meet some kind of awful death, deliverance style. Katie laughs. Hey, no horror jokes for you tonight. That's my expertise now. You promised you wouldn't overdo it, I say. Don't forget that. Katie smiles. I won't. We follow the guys around the house and through the woods to a clearing in the backyard. In the middle, there's a fire pit crackling and blazing. Around it, 20 or so people spread out on camping chairs and coolers. On the edge, near the deck, a couple of guys are hovering over a grill. Katie points toward the fire to where a guy is standing, separate from any group. Look, there's Jake. She steps confidently toward the crowd of people, not missing a beat. Jake! She calls, and as he turns, a smile breaks across his face. He runs up to us, and he looks like he's going to hug Katie, but in true wingwoman form, she sticks out her hand. It's a little awkward, greeting a friend with a handshake, and by the time they're done, all I can manage is a wave. Oi. Do you guys want a drink or food or something? Jake asks. Water for me, Katie says. Me too, I say in solidarity. Jake dashes off to a cooler and returns promptly with three waters. This way, he says, leading us toward the grill. This you have to try. At the grill, I spot Bryson, who gives me a requisite nod. I don't think he and I have exchanged more than two words since I started work. Jake sidles up to him. Can I get some of that grilled pineapple? Three. 
Bryson puts the trio on a plate, and Jake nods to us. Come on, there's an awesome spot to sit back there. He leads us back, deeper into the woods, to a log turned on its side, and takes a seat. I hesitate at first, but wingwoman Katie gives me a nudge, and I take the spot right next to Jake. Katie sit next, sits next to me. Dig in, Jake says a little too enthusiastically, grabbing a piece and passing the plate to me. I already had three. Not stopping you from taking another, though, I say. Hey, Jake says, only a monster passes up grilled pineapple. I grab a slice and, pa and pass the plate to Katie. It's sweet and charred, like sugar and smoke mixed together. Juice, Juice drips sticky down my chin, and I wipe it away with the back of my hand. Damn, this is good, Katie says as she devours some, too. We talk about work. I ask if Steinway or Tennyson or Cora are, are coming, and Jake says no, and we discuss how Bryson's robotic demeanor doesn't change too much off the clock, and we talk about how nice it is to be in the mountains, away from the muggy heat of North Carolina and Brooklyn. Jake even tells us about his little sister, Emma, how she FaceTimed him today just because she missed him, and to tell him she learned a new song in day camp, which she sang in full, all four verses. For a little bit, I let myself imagine that this is just a re regular life, that no lives have been exchanged, that Brooklyn is far away, and Katie and I are the sort of girls who regularly go to parties in the woods. Jake is no more than the guy I met at my summer job, talking about his cute little sister, and everything will unfold like normal, like it does in books or movies. And for a moment, as the sweetness tickles my tongue, and Jake's warm summer skin is so close we're almost touching, it's just lovely. My crush and my best friend and me, sharing a log in the woods, eating grilled pineapple. But then Jake changes up the game, taking the conversation in a new direction. I was thinking about what you said, he says, leaning forward so he can see Katie. About creature features. Maybe you're right, you know? Maybe they really are always about the monsters inside us, and that's what horror is all about. Nah, I was just bullshitting, Katie says. Sometimes I take this stuff too seriously. Don't we all? Except Olivia. He elbows me playfully, his arm warm against mine. She knows better than to obsess about the ins and outs of creature features. I have a feeling I should say something. Agree or disagree. Do anything but shove pineapple into my mouth. But I don't know what to say. I don't know how to be myself when I'm pretending to be somebody else, and when somebody else is pretending to be me. By the way, I was meaning to ask, Jake says to Katie, did something happen to make you leave your program? Huh? She asks, her body tightening. Your screenwriting program? I give her a quick nudge. She doesn't look at Jake. Instead, she stares at me, her eyes going suddenly cold. Only because you were so excited about it, Jake says, when we talked before. Katie's steely gaze disappears. Now she looks almost crestfallen. For a second, I'm not sure what she's going to say, but she looks away. Like I said, it wasn't the right environment, she stands. I'm going to go, uh, get some more water. She walks off without another word. Jake frowns. You think she's okay? I didn't mean to upset her. She's just sensitive, I say, about the things she cares about. Let me go make sure, though, though. He nods. I'll be right back. I'll be right here, I mean. I find her back near the deck, staring intently at her phone. Hey, I say. Are you okay? Katie looks up, and for a second, her eyes are glossy. I could swear she's about to cry. What's wrong? I ask. Nothing, 
This is all just part of a pl- just a part of the plan. I was trying to give you guys some time together. I didn't want to, it to turn into yet another movie discussion. What is it? I ask. Just tell me. Just go back to your little log of love, okay? She says. I'm good. Doing my part and all that. Embracing the only role I've got right now. Before I can say anything more, she smiles, and I can't tell if she's acting or not, which is, I suppose, the mark of a good actor. I turn around just as Jake approaches. <clears throat> Are you guys okay? He asks. Katie's smile grows wider. Of course. It's just these damn mosquitoes. Mosquitoes? He asks. Yeah, Katie says, scratching the back of her neck, though I haven't felt a single bite. Talk about a creature feature. Jake laughs, but Katie keeps scratching. You know, they're really getting to me, she says. Would you mind terribly if I bounced? Jake can drive you home, she says. Right, Jake? Oh, he says, and I can't tell if it's an oh of surprise or excitement or disappointment. Oh yeah, of course. Great, Katie says, before turning on her heel and sauntering away. Jake watches her go, then turns to me, shoving his hands deep in his pockets. I'm sorry she left, but at least we won't hassle you with horror trivia anymore. Thank God, he grins. Would you judge me Judge me if I got one more pineapple slice? I shake my head. Never. We top off on pineapple, and then, without either of us saying a word, we head back to our log and sit down, separate from everybody else. The air is warm, but the breeze is cool, and the crackling of the fire in the distance makes a perfect soundtrack. When Jake finishes his slice, he sets his hands on his knees. I don't want you to think I can only talk about movies, he says. It's okay, I say. I don't. He sighs, tugging at the frayed ends of his shorts. It's just that, when I'm nervous, sometimes it's my default. My heart catches in my throat. Nervous? I swallow thickly, then force myself to speak. How can you be nervous? I half laugh. You've been up in the Catskills only a tiny bit longer than me, and here you are, getting invites to cool parties with grilled pineapple. He laughs, but then abruptly, he stops. I have a confession to make, he says. I have so many confessions to make, Jake. She's thinking this, not saying it. He doesn't wait for my response. I don't even like parties. For someone who lives in a house full of people, I never know what to do in big groups. What are you talking about? You're great with the zipline groups, I argue. That's different, he says. I stick to the script there. Places like this, his eyes flit around. I don't know what to do with myself. Why do you think I've been binging on pineapple? I laugh, but I understand. It's how I've felt so many times. It's why Katie's presence always calms me, because she does the work for me in these types of situations. And yet, a part of me doesn't want to be like that anymore. I came up here. I started a new job, even if my mom got it for me. I got to know people. I met Jake. I'm never going to be Katie, with her natural ease and charm. Just like Jake will probably never feel perfectly comfortable at a party where he doesn't know many people. But it's okay. I can still be me. I don't have to hold back so much. Just because my friend doesn't hold back at all. I don't have to be an observer in my own damn life. The truth is, Jake continues, I don't even think Bryson really wanted any work people to come. That's why Steinway and co. aren't here, but I kind of begged him for a hint of plans this weekend, you know, so we would have something to do. He clears his throat, so I would have something to do with you. Back near the house, I can hear that someone has has put on music. A, ba- a bass beat thumps toward us, 
echoing the drumming of my heart. I mean, we already did burgers and ice cream, and I was running out of food groups after that, after all. I laugh. And then, and then I feel his hand, warm and rough against mine. I'm scared, just like I was the first and only time I did the zipline, and I want to pull away, only I don't want to pull away even more. Truth is, you make me even more nervous than this party does, he says. I do? I close my eyes, breathe in and out, and open them again. I thought he liked Katie, was wowed by her beauty and charm, but I can feel it now, in my pumping blood, the connection that he and I have. Just Jake and Olivia, just the two of us in person, in the flesh. It's more than banter and movies and even screenplay discussions. It's learning about his family, about social anxiety, about real things. I've spent too much time, way too much time, being scared. I turn to look at him, and he's looking at me. I remember what he said when he helped me rescue that kid at Ropeland. Don't look down, only up. And I do. His lips press against mine, and his arms wrap me tight, and it's warm, our bodies together, warmer and sweeter, even, than charred pineapple in a Catskills summer. I kiss him back, and I feel a thrill, so blood-pumping, so intense. It's better than the thrill of any horror movie, that's for damn sure. What would Meryl do, part three? Jake pulls up to my house at 10.58 exactly. I had a lot of fun tonight, he says, and he leans in, pecking me on the lips, as if this is something normal now, something we just do. Me too, I say, feeling my pulse quicken. Don't tell Katie how glad I am that the evil mosquitoes attacked her. I won't, I say, trying to hold back a blush. Before either of us can say anything else, I open the car door and bound off to my house. My mom is smiling, sitting in the living room and watching some kind of documentary. When she walk, what? Uh, when I when I walk in, she hits pause. Just in time. Have fun. I nod. Thanks for being cool about it. She grins, sinking deeper into the couch. Oh, you know, that's me. Cool mom, always. I can't help it. I laugh. Is Katie okay? She said she got attacked by mosquitoes. Yeah, they were pretty bad. I lie. It seems easier than explaining that the ultimate wing woman had to fake a mosquito invasion in invasion to fulfill her role. I'm gonna go check on her. I walk toward the hallway that leads to my room. Good night, Mom. She presses play on her documentary. Good night. Once I'm out of sight, I rush to the door, ready to tell Katie everything. She was a success, a huge one. This whole plan of hers actually, miraculously, worked. But as I approach the door, I see from the crack just above the floor that the light is off. I open it slowly. Katie is in bed, turned on her side. Katie, I whisper, I don't think the girl's gone to bed before 11 in her entire life. Maybe she really didn't feel well. Katie? No answer. It will have to wait until morning. I grab my phone and text Jake instead. Thanks for the ride. He texts back right away. You're welcome. Good night, Olivia. Sweet dreams. Feeling better? I ask Katie when she wakes up the next morning, just after 10. I barely slept at all. My head was too full of thoughts of Jake, of our kiss. Of my first kiss, which was better than I could, have pos than I could possibly have ever imagined. Despite my lack of sleep, I feel more alive, more energized than I have in such a long time. Katie stretches and sits up in bed. Fine, she says. You must have slept a long time. 
I say. She rubs at her eyes. Yeah, so? You're sure you're okay? Katie doesn't say anything more. Guess what? I ask, sitting on the bed next to her. She looks at me apprehensively. What? I hold back a smile, hardly able to contain my excitement. Jake kissed me last night. Twice. Katie smiles. She does give me that. But still, something about it is off. What's going on with you? I ask. Nothing, she insists, looking down at her hands. Before I can stop myself, my mind starts to turn. What if? No, it can't be. I rack my brain. She said he was cute that first day she met him, and she's been so eager to impress him, going off script to make her pronouncements about horror movies. She practically practically stormed off at ice cream, and last night, though the plan had always been for her to go home a little early, I didn't expect her to leave as soon as she did. Is it possible? It can't be. It's Katie. She doesn't even get crushes. Is it possible she's actually jealous? Before I can ask her anything else, my phone buzzes, a notification from Reddit flashing at me. I have something- Elm Street Nightmare 84. I have something to confess. I drop the phone on the bed. What is it? Katie asks. Looking at the- Look at that, I say, pointing to the phone. A blight on everything that transpired last night. Katie picks it up, then drops it again. So? I shake my head. Why would he text you like that? My mind rushes, filling in the words. Even though I kissed your friend, I knew as soon as I did that I'm really crazy about you. I had to tell you before I got in any deeper. I had to be honest. Katie rolls her eyes. First off, he's texting you that, not me. No, he's not, I say. He He thinks it's you now. Katie laughs bitterly. Oh yeah? And whose fault is that? Besides, didn't you just tell me that you kissed that you guys kissed last night? Isn't it time for you to stop projecting your low self-esteem on me for absolutely no reason? Jealousy isn't a good look, Olivia. I'm not jealous. I practically spit the words out. Of all the things I've said this summer, that's maybe the biggest lie of all, and Katie knows it. She scoots out of bed, standing up. Whatever, she says as she changes out of her PJs and into shorts and a tank. I think I'm going to leave today anyway. Really? I ask. But you just got here. Katie sighs, crossing her arms in front of her. Actually, I've been here almost a week, entertaining myself while you worked all day. Hey, I say, trying to lighten the mood. At least you got a good tan. Katie ignores me, tossing her clothes into her bag. She's serious. Come on, I say. What's wrong? My phone buzzes again. Elm Street Nightmare 84. Okay, so here's my confession. I know you said it wasn't a big deal if I read it or not, but I stayed up super late last night reading your screenplay, and then this morning, I took the liberty of telling my aunt all about it. She thinks it's an awesome idea and would love to meet you. She's actually shooting tomorrow in Woodstock. I was hoping that we could go by, catch a little of the shoot, and go to dinner with her. I told her Olivia would come too, if you guys want to. Elm Street Nightmare 84. Hopefully you're not mad. It was just so good I had to tell her about it. My pulse quickens, but it's not because of Jake or Elm this time. My screenplay, the one that he, my favorite fellow horror snob, actually liked. That his aunt, an actual horror movie maker, seemed to like, too. Oh my god, I say. What now? Katie asks. I look up at her, the smile already breaking across my face. He read the screenplay, and he liked it. Okay, great, Katie says. I told you it was a big accomplishment, 
Did I? Didn't I? I shake my head. No, you don't get it. He told his aunt about it. She's a real deal indie horror director. She wants to meet me. Well, meet you. I look at Katie's bag, half exploding with clothes. So? So? Katie doesn't get it. She's an actress. She has loads of opportunities to share what she loves with others, to perform, to get recognition. Writing a screenplay is just me and my Google Doc. Maybe it would have been different if I had a whole group of peers from the NYU program, but I don't. I want to hear what Jake's aunt has to say. I want to feel that delight of being understood, appreciated, just a little bit, even if I have to pretend that Katie wrote it the whole time. I know it's probably risky. I know I probably shouldn't, but I don't care. It's something. After this, Katie can go back to Brooklyn like she obviously wants to, and I can go on pretending to Jake that I've never so much as written a single line of dialogue. But I want this. Badly. I don't want to pass it up. She wants to meet you tomorrow. Katie crosses her arms, staring at me. I sigh. I'm sorry for being a jealous asshole, okay? I'm sorry for pushing my issues on you. But I need you. This is my chance to talk to a real-life horror director about my screenplay. It's a chance to hear feedback, since I never did a program or anything. I don't want to miss it. She narrows her eyes at me. Really? I look down briefly and back up at her. One last performance. I know you've got it in you. She humps. Come on, I say. What would Meryl do? For the first time all morning, my best friend smiles. Just a little bit. All talk of leaving off the books, we spend the afternoon preparing. Katie is back to classic Katie, ready to do anything for a role. We take our flashcards back down to the swimming hole. All right, Katie says, as we unfold our beach chairs and slather on sunscreen, reaching our toes into the water. Tell me everything I could possibly need to know about the screenplay of yours. I know it's about a lot of genres mixed together, but I need more. Every character, every plot point, all the twists and turns. She pulls her oversized sunglasses down just the tiniest bit so she can really look me in the eye. And I'm serious. All your inspirations, all the directors and movies that we that have acted as your muses. It's not just Jakey Poo anymore. This woman is really going to know what she's talking about. This is the method acting challenge I've always dreamed of. I cock my head to the side. If it were method acting, wouldn't you have to write a screenplay? Katie laughs. I think embodying a character your best friend has created through online conversations for months and doing my best with limited training time is method enough, okay? Plus, you leave the acting definitions to me. I'll leave the gory suspenseful horror shit to you, okay? I laugh. Okay. Where, where should we start? I ask. Katie jumps in. With this, she, jump, she runs into the creek, waiting until she's fully submerged. She pops up screaming at the cold, but it doesn't stop her. Get in here, she calls, and I love her. I really, really do. We splash around, soaking up the sun and pruning our fingers, but we do our homework, too. First, I start with the plot of the Bad Decision Handbook, including all its twists, turns, and complications. So you're saying the bad guy in the movie is actually a director? Katie asks, rippling her fingers through the movie. And he's using this little episode of terror as his movie? Exactly, I say. How meta, Katie, Katie says. Right, so the main characters, Onyx and Jimmy. Nice name choices, Katie smirks. Shut up, I say. Anyway, they have to anticipate what would come next in the movie, like he's going to go, like who he's going to go after in order to defeat him. They have to get into the director's head. 
And that's where the bad decisions come into play. Yeah, they make it sound like they're splitting up, that kind of thing. But really, they're always one step ahead of him. The idea is, what if you actually found yourself in a horror movie? Not in one of the situations depicted in a horror movie, but in a horror movie itself. I shrug. I know, it's complicated. Katie laughs. Oh, it very much is. It's what I wanted to write, though. Truly 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 Olivia. And I don't throw this around lightly. It sounds amazing. NYU or no NYU, you did this. You made it happen. Katie splashes me. I splash her back. A smile on my face now, too. I did make it happen. I really did. Day of the Dead. A real-life horror shoot and a real-life horror director. I can hardly stomach the thrill of it all. Not to mention all that's going on with Jake. Completely electric, but completely natural, too. Even though the energy feels charged between us, it feels like it was supposed to be that way all along. He asks Marianne if we can leave work early, just this once, and we pick up Katie and and we pick up Katie and are at the shoot location just outside of Woodstock by 4.15. You excited? Jake asks us. He pulls the car into a gravel lot where about five other cars and a van are parked. I know he means Katie, and I don't say anything, but still, I can feel the tingling in the tips of my fingers. This is really happening. I couldn't be more thrilled, Katie says convincingly. In a way, she's not in a way. She's not even lying. This is the pinnacle of the role she's been playing all week. Her swan song, if you will. As soon as I'm out of the car, I hear it. A piercing, chill-your-bones sort of scream. My eyes widen in appreciation of the cool factor, if nothing else. But Jake, mistaking my expression for fear, tosses his arm around me and pulls me closer. Pulls me closer to him. You going to be able to handle all the gore? Oh boy, I want to say. You don't know the half of what I can handle. But I feel so good, his skin on mine, that I don't disabuse him of what he, of that notion. Instead, I force a laugh. I guess we'll see, won't we? There's a marked trail, and we walk down it, Jake's arm falling away from me as we make our way deeper into the woods. It's a beautiful day. <laughs> I don't know if you picked- I don't know if you picked up on Mike. But I made, like, a choky croaky sound just now. Um, there's a marked trail and we walk down it, Jake's arm falling away from me as we make our, as we make our way deeper into the woods. It's a beautiful day, the sun far from setting, the air warm, the leaves fat and green. It doesn't seem at all like a day for shooting something awful, and yet, as we get closer, another scream pierces the air. We follow the curve of the path, and then suddenly, as if we only happened upon it in the in the woods, the trees open up, and we're at the edge of the clearing. There are two people who must be actors in the middle, a man lying among the dirt and leaves, a woman standing above. They're both covered in what looks like blood, surrounded by three different crew members. Jake's aunt stands to the side, not in a director's chair or anything, just standing. A guy, a guy on the edge yells, Quiet on set! We freeze, not wanting to cause so much as another leaf rustle. Rolling, another person yells, Action, Jake's Aunt Mona says. And then, it happens. The actress drops to her knees so quickly you'd think she should be wearing knee pads. And maybe, beneath the skinny jeans that are speckled with fake blood, she is. No, she says, lifting the man's head almost frantically. No, no, no. She lets him go, his head dropping to the ground, and jumps up. Help, she screams, and I know the cries I heard earlier were definitely hers. Help, she (laughs) says. I would put more oomph into the help, 
but I don't live alone, and I don't want to be a disturbance. So I can't just go screaming, you know? Also, I think that would hurt your ears. I'd have to, like, right before yelling, warning headphone users. (sighs) You know? Um, She sinks again to the ground and rips open the man's shirt. And I can't see what exactly what's there because the camera is closing in but it must be some sort of fake wound and she presses her hands to his chest and as her head drops she says more quietly but still loud enough for me to hear i'll kill the psycho who did this to you cut immediately the mood changes the woman who was pretty convincingly distraught just a second ago smiles how was that better jake's aunt says but i still think you can push it a little more the man props himself up and starts re-snapping his shirt Come on, Jake says. I think we can get a better view from over here. He leads us around the edge to a smattering of wooden boxes tucked among the trees. He grabs one, and Katie and I follow suit, me next to him, her next to me. Across the clearing, his aunt smiles, giving us a wave. Jake waves back. You're sure it's okay that we sit here? I ask, leaning closer to him. He nods. This is out of the line of sight of of the camera. Don't worry. If we were in view, I definitely would have been doused with I would have doused- I definitely would have doused you with some fake blood first. There we go. I laugh, then turn to Katie. To my surprise, she's captivated, and for once, I don't think it's a part of the- of her act. The acting's not so bad, huh? I say under my breath, nodding toward the set. She turns. I'm more interested in the horde elements, she says, eyes practically twinkling. Girl's not one to break her role, but the actors are pretty good, I have to say. I knew it. Quiet on set, the guy yells again. And then, action. They go through the scene five more times, to to different effect with each take. Sometimes the woman is more desperate than angry. Other times, she's seething, the rage completely taking her over. I wonder how she doesn't get hoarse from so much screaming, but she delivers her cries convincingly each each and every time. When they're not rolling, the grim veil comes off completely. The actress becomes a regular person, despite her cries of terror only moments earlier. The guy on the ground re-snaps his shirt, and the makeup artist adds a bit more fake blood. It's so relaxed, so chill. People working, messing around on their phones to pass the time, only springing to action when they have something to do. It's not so different from the way Tennyson and I have hang around the check-in office, waiting for... S- waiting for the next group of zipliners to arrive. After all, they're just doing their jobs. But as soon as Mona calls action, the mood changes. The blood feels suddenly real as the actress delivers her lines. The pain, anger, and fear are almost palpable in the air. Katie wasn't wrong. I, as Carrie, have always been more interested in the horror elements than the acting. Post-Dracula auditions, at least. Maybe I always was, even if I didn't realize it back then. The jump scares and quick cuts, the sense of foreboding and the twists and turns of every story, even the campy scenes and occasionally comically bad lines. Acting always seems secondary, but seeing it now, like this, I get why it's so important. Why someone like Meryl Streep is Katie's everything. Because when you get right down to it, it's all the fake blood is nothing without someone to convince you it's real. There's something else, too. Something I know surer than, any, than I ever have before. I want this. I really do. I have to stop being so scared of failing that I don't even try. I have to go for it. Look at all you can have when you do. What do you think? Jake asks, and I know he's talking to Katie, but for once, that doesn't stop me from answering. 
I think this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Um, that is the cutoff point for this episode, and the next one is the end of this book! We're almost made of September. Gotta grab the next book for my desk space. We've almost done it, lads. We've almost done it. And then it's just a matter of time before I make up October. Like, this is very slay of me. I'm accomplishing greatness. I'm hyping myself way too much. But, like, um, yeah. So, gonna remember to put the link tree in the description every time. That's the thing I gotta work on remembering. Um, thanks for hanging around to listen and dealing with me getting angry to an unholy extent over a work of fiction. Um, should I try doing promo bullshit? Nah, not yet. Sorry. Um, I forgot how to close out an episode. Um, thanks for listening. Can't wait to vibe with you next time. Remember to drink water and fuck bitches. Bye!